And here we go. What's up, guys? What's up, guys? How we doing? John Sintas back here, Cutter Nation podcast. Got my new friend. Lazaroni, like macaroni. <laughs> like macaroni. Lazaroni of At The Wave Method on the, on the podcast today. First off, don't forget to go over to my online store. You can find it through my Instagram bio link. On there, I've got my shirts. I've got my J-Band, my cap-weighted balls, adding some new products from the oat specialty guys. I've got um, – what else do I have on there? Oh, I've got uh, the flush bands for recovery. Um, and if you guys have any questions for me, don't forget to DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. Follow me on there. Um, Dan, thanks for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate you, uh, you know, set lines up and getting things going there. So, um, Dan, where are you from? Where are you out of? And uh, where would you play? Yeah, man. So I'm out of the East Cobb area in Georgia. So kind of the Mecca. If you play baseball, you kind of you kind of heard East Cobb. So I'm in that area. Um, I played at Lasseter High School, went to a low D1 up in New York called Siena. Played at UAH in Alabama, Southern Poly in Georgia. I uh, played in the Frontier League with the River City Rascals and the Schaumburg Boomers. They actually won it that year in 2013. And then I played with the San Diego Padres from Rookie Ball High A, Double A, Triple A. Uh, as far as experience. That's awesome. Awesome. So you've, I mean, you've really been around. I mean, I've never played affiliated um, baseball in the States. And, and so you've, you've been through the indie routes, you've been through the affiliated routes. You're now doing, you know, amazing stuff with, with coaching. Um, what do you feel like, what do you feel like was one of your, you know, better experiences with indie ball or then affiliated minor league ball or what? So, you know, I learned a lot of things from from different stages in my pro career. Um, indie ball really, it kind of shaped me as being able to understand what the business side um, of, of baseball is like. And uh, you really get put into the situation of, okay, this is, this is kind of how it is. It's no longer, you know, the college route or it's, it's not so much – as team orientated as I would have liked it. Like double um, A was probably the best team orientation I was in as far as guys. Now the, the frontier league, I was with the Schomburg boomers. That was probably the best unit of guys that I've been around. Um, indie balls got its ups and downs, kind of like anything else, uh, especially as you're new to it, you kind of got to feel it out and, and find your, your niche of guys and, and get along with a different, uh, you know, a bunch of different personalities and, kind of come into your own and, and figure out, you know, who you are as a player and, and work whatsoever's best for you. So I think it was a pretty good experience. You always kind of learn something, whether it's positive or negative. So. Yeah, that's, that's what I try to tell people. Uh, you know, I've never played affiliated, but I do know uh, a lot of information about it. You can help me out with this too. I know that a lot of the affiliated stuff, I don't know what level it changes as far as like, trying to win baseball games, but I've been to a rookie ball game. I've been to a low A and you know, the guy gets taken out in the third or fourth inning cause he's on a pitch count. And it's just like, what in the world do you like? Are you trying to win games? And then you find yeah. out, you know, you're trying to develop pitchers. You're trying to do all the stuff. He's on a pitch count. You know, yeah. he might be fresh off the boat, you know, from wherever throwing a hundred miles an hour in the first three innings, but throws eight strikes yeah. you know, and still in the game. <laughs> and, he's given up 10, and he's given up 10 runs. You know? Yeah, man. And, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean, when you start looking at the economics of baseball, as opposed to kind of the, the love and pastime where you played on teams growing up, you start to look at guys as commodities and investments. Um, 
you know, when guys are backed by millions of dollars, um, they're really going to put their time into to make sure that they have every advantage and they're taken care of. So their blue chip prospects are going to get more advantages than I would um, just because they've invested. So, you know, like you said, guys are coming out after three innings in rookie ball. Um, it's their first year. They're coming off of high school seasons, depending on their pitch counts and innings pitched. So they're really trying to nurse them and get them acclimated to the system is what I found. You know, I had uh, Max Freed and, and Walker Weichel that were uh, – Max Freed was the, was the top guy when I was there at San Diego. I think he's with the Braves now. Um, and they really kind of just were, were very tedious about his stuff. Now, he had his own program. So they let him kind of do his own thing where, you know, a guy like me, I came in and, you know, I'm getting paid a thousand bucks a month, uh, low end stuff. And I'm going, you know, I don't have the, the flexibility to say, hey, I'm going to do my own thing. And it's really, hey, what do you need me to do? And I'm going to do it for you. I love being here. Uh, first guy in, first guy out, you know, kind of got to climb the ranks. So That's awesome. Yeah, I, I consider myself, um, you know, my last guy, you know, also, so I can definitely relate to you on that one. That's, that's, I think since, you know, I don't, we haven't really talked, but um, I was supposed to be draft. I was, you know, your typical senior college, senior division two guy down in Pensacola. And I was, you know, the Royals, the Mets, I think the Phillies, I think were the three school, three teams that were talking to me. Um, but unfortunately I threw a pitch with um, a month left of my senior season when my team needed me. And uh, broke my elbow. Had a had a ninety two percent electron fracture. Jeez, so man. The crazy the crazy means. thing was that. <laughs> so I don't even know, know what that know means. What that means. <laughs> well, the the is the point of your elbow. So basically, there's that hook that goes in the elbow where the humerus comes in right here at the bottom, right? Sure, sure. That hook, that hook. My tricep, your tricep connects right into that bone right there. Well, my tricep had gotten so tight from basically listening to a training staff that didn't really know what they were doing, mm-hmm. not talking to the weight, the weight training um, coaches, and then our, our head coach on top of that talking about, you know, all the, the throwing and stuff we're doing on top of him trying to change my arm slot and things to try to help me throw harder. Um, so I ended up uh, having what's called an involsion fracture where my tendon pulled the bone apart uh, almost clean off. Jeez, man. And, um, just a crazy, crazy situation. It was like 30 degrees in Huntsville, Alabama. It's funny that you said you had played at UAH also. Wow. So, small world. Uh, yeah, it is small world. So, yeah, I mean, I totally understand what you, you know, and basically within that, you know, it took me three years and two surgeries to get back to be able to throw a baseball. I, I had told myself I felt like I was robbed. Like, I felt like, you know, I was having a great 100%. senior year. I had all these schools on me, and I just had to give it a shot. Like, what else, you know? I'd, the only thing I'd worked my entire life to do, do it just because I got hurt. Like, let's see if I can get my velo up to close to 90 and see what happens. So I ended up playing two years of independent ball in the Pecos League, if you've ever heard of that. Oh, and yeah. then met, met a guy who introduced me to a general manager to go play in the Mexican minor leagues. And I've, this is my fourth year in Mexico, and I love it down here. Yeah, man. That's great. It's been a, been a fun time. Yeah. This wave method like you were super excited and super energetic when we started talking about some stuff yeah man um, yeah. and, and you, you and i had a conversation i said hold it let's get on the podcast i want this recorded and information because <laughs> look I'm, I'm always trying to learn stuff too man i mean you know i think you know we'll probably go back and forth i'm gonna listen to your stuff but 
I think I've run into some things too, as not necessarily like having my own method as far as like what you're talking about, you know, when you're going to your thing. But, you know, there's some things that I've been preaching recently that have for six years now, I haven't stopped throwing in six years. Now, general throwing. And I know there's a difference in throwing, max effort throwing, pitching, max effort pitching, long toss, stretching it out. So, you know, we'll, we'll start there. So, Tell everybody what the what the wave method is, and you know I'm just gonna let you go. Once you, you just start, preaching, <laughs> all right? All right. So uh, the wave method itself is it's a style to mechanics. It's an approach to mechanics. So while on my Instagram at the wave method underscore baseball, it's more driven towards the pitching side. That is the the first section and the first um, subsection that I would say that I discovered um, as far as you know, the different categories within the wave method. So I'm working on the wave method, hitting wave method, golf, wave method, training. Um, so it's a style, it's a, it's an approach. And it was designed off of me observing ocean waves and just seeing the properties and how they crashed onto the shore. So a wave builds up its energy, comes to a crest and then releases all of its energy onto the shore. And I thought to myself, wow, that looks pretty smooth. There's no twitching there. There's no, it doesn't load back and then thrust forward. It doesn't, um, it doesn't pause or come to a balanced position. It's continuously moving and then it exerts all that energy down. And I went, you know, when I stand in front of a wave, I feel a good amount of energy. And um, so I said, well, you know, does this, does this translate over to pitching mechanics? Can I incorporate that type of fluidity to it? Um, and kind of take the past of least resistance. So a wave takes what energy it can and uses it. It doesn't try to create more than whatever it's it's building up, uh, whatever it may be. Some waves are smaller. Some waves join together and create a bigger wave. Some crests are big. Some crests are small. So, um, you know, it's kind of like players. Some guys are tall. Some guys are big. Some guys move quick. Some guys move slow. So all the properties kind of marry over to, you know, different players and so on and so forth but the wave method itself i believe is the path of least resistance with the most assistance creating the most energy output uh with the least amount of strain on the body um you know you you're probably attest to this you know the hard work put in the time uh do all the right things and then just go out there and and give it everything you got killer mindset um winning mindset execute uh yes or no sir do what you got to do listen to your peers also kind of be your own dude so there's there's a lot of stuff you really got to focus on and and kind of make sure you get it all right but that's kind of the the gist of the wave method right there okay that's yeah i like that i like i like that me being a florida guy i totally i could visualize exactly what you're talking about you know i didn't we didn't have a lot of surf but you know i was in the water a little bit you know and uh, I, I totally make sense for you guys that don't really, maybe I can do a little visual. He's talking about how it kind of builds up, builds up, builds up. And then right when it gets to its peak, you know, right here, you see this face right there. And then it kind of curls over and then that's where the energy kind of comes through. Is that, is that, is that kind of like what you're talking about, right? Yeah, that's pretty accurate. Yeah. Okay, cool. So you're saying about attitude and everything on there, that's something that, you know, I've been doing a lot of live streaming this week um, on, on Instagram. And I get a lot of questions from kids about, you know, how do I throw harder or what's my mindset when I get on the mound and everything. And um, something that I recently had heard from, I, I got a couple of friends that are in the big leagues. And one of the guys was just talking to me about really is going on 
because you get to this point in the big leagues where a year or two and you kind of got comfortable, it's, it, the game changes because you're, you grew up your whole life trying to win the game, right? And you're trying to win the game, win the game, win the game. And then all of a sudden there's these little subcategories, these other substats that help you win the game, but also help you get paid. You know, and so there's this thing of this, you know, there's this statistic that, that I've been throwing out recently is, is um, 1.8, 1.9, which is um, strikeouts per inning. Uh, and, and something that I've been looking at, you can go look at all of the starting pitchers in the big leagues. You know, these guys who, are, who have a ton of innings, if you look at their innings to strikeouts, the guys that are getting paid the most are somewhere in between, you know, 1.7 to 1.9 mm-hmm. strikeouts per inning. And um, so that's something I really picked up. And it, it was completely opposite what I grew up with. And, you know, I grew up, I was huge. I mean, you're an Atlanta guy. I'm, I'm Braves in the 90s, like Greg Maddox, get yeah. ground balls, you know. And then I went back and looked at it. And even Greg, Mod- Greg Maddox was ground balls and do what he's got to do. But yet he's still top six, top 10 in the league in strikeouts every year. So mm-hmm. I'm going like, wait a minute. Like he's considered a contact pitcher. But yet he's still punching out everybody and their mother. You know, he's got a minimum mm-hmm. seven, eight, nine strikeouts a game and just doing what he wants at will with the ball. Yeah. Uh, the mindset of that, I really like that. So as far as the wave method mechanically, do you so there's mm-hmm. something that you're putting through in there. What do you feel like that's different that you're that you're preaching? You know, that that I saw you post an Instagram video recently with the uh men's league guy that you're talking about and and he was real impressed with what you're doing. So can you explain everybody what your process is right there? Sure. So uh, that's Pat. And, um, you know, working with Pat, he's had some shoulder problems. So I really approached him a little more tenderly than I would, let's say, a 15-year-old. Um, and we just started talking about what's working for him and what's not working for him, what he's feeling and not feeling. Um He's really adamant about getting his curveball back. He said, you know, I, I feel like I lost my curveball two years ago. And it's, it's really tough for me to get that over the plate. So uh, we first started with how to manipulate the curveball to get it in a better position. And then he started talking about how to alleviate arm pain and arm stress and kind of use the body a little bit more efficiently. Um, and then, you know, the last video, he started to talk about how to manipulate angles so that you know where your pitches are going um the biggest thing i see with a lot of players and and even today and and first off um i just want to give a lot of credit to all the baseball players out there today who throw consistent strikes um there's not enough i feel appreciation for that consistency because what i see with the current mechanics is everybody goes past what i call natural release Um, therefore once you go past natural release you become in this feel zone and you have to feel some type of muscle strain stimulation resistance um, that's consistent to get to a certain spot so I don't know if you can attest to this but you probably have a different sensation with your arm for outside than inside or for up or down you um, you activate something more or something less or for a curveball depending on what you want to do with it um, outside or inside, there might be some type of muscle recognition and stimulus that you go, okay, that was, that was exactly what I was used to. And that's consistent to me. What I feel is a strike where the wave method teaches little to no arm resistance. And it really feels like um, it's, it's really cutting through the air like butter, what I call the sweet spot. Um, But 
but going back to Pat, so with Pat, we're just working on how to command his pitches, um, how to utilize his body a little bit better, get his curveball over for more consistent strikes, and then um, keep the ball down somewhat relatively in the zone. Okay. All right. So, I mean, I, I like all that, you know, the, the quick arm. I can, I can definitely attest to the, the feeling part. I, I you know, when, when I'm doing lessons with guys, whatever, I'm a big video guy, especially when it comes to execution. And so even for myself, like I, I video this past offseason, I videoed every bullpen that I had just, just as a plan that I wanted to, to show, you know, some of these kids that follow me and stuff like, look, this is what I do. Like, this is something you don't see someone. A lot of people, mm -hmm. especially in the big leagues, don't want to show what they're doing. And so I'm kind of, I want to take the opposite side of it. Like, look, this is everything that I do, like all off season, you know, like if you follow my, you know, before we met a lot of my Instagram stuff and my Instagram stories and everything was, you know, uh, fortunately I've got a 24 hour gym in San Diego where I'm at. And then I've also got in that gym, there's a basketball court and a racquetball court. So I used to just go in the racquetball court with my weighted balls and depending yeah. on what my day and what I'm doing and just let it eat. And I have not felt yeah. this amount of strength going into a season ever. And that's one thing, you know, I know I'm older, I'm 31, and I know there's a difference between younger guys using weighted balls and older guys using mm -hmm. weighted balls. I definitely want to make sure that the younger guys understand that there's – I don't think it's bad that you use a weighted ball. I think that you need to control how much weight you're using. Like I don't think a high school senior should be doing a 21-ounce, a 32-ounce ball unless – he's got the muscle mass the technique and everything down even then i'm a little worried about it you know i think a younger guy because because my concept is especially for what i see like you got young kids throwing footballs all the time right and a, and, and a young kid football and i think i want to say it's around like 14 ounces or something like that so what's the difference between a 14 ounce football and a 14 ounce weighted ball well the technique, how you throw it obviously you're going to throw a football where the ball stays by your ear the, the elbow is going to be a good position you know, and stuff from there. So can you elaborate a little bit more on your, what you were saying about your hand going through butter, good in a good position. I also saw on Instagram, you know, you had one of your clients in a very strong position. I really like his release point. Matter of fact, kind of looked like my logo right here. Um, I don't know if you noticed a little correlation right. in that. Yeah, no, it looks uh, spot on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there was, there, I saw that and I was like, okay, this guy knows that's right. You know, because when I find people on Instagram and the stuff that's going on, I'm like, okay, like, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to learn Stuff, like I said, and so I see your thing. I see this kid. I'm like, all right, I see this. Now I'm looking for videos to see if I can see any other evidence. So as far as the, the arm path, what can you describe kind of, you know, are you a, um, are you a, a, what they call a scap load guy? Are you a finger to the sky guy? You said something about natural and sweet spot. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Sure. So, so what I found and, and kind of what, what raised the questions about, you know, my lack of success with, with pitching, you know, I made it to triple a now it was, it was 14 cups of coffee guys. Um, it was the only time in my career where I prayed every day to God saying, you know, please do not put me in. My arm is so done. I don't want to embarrass the people that have gotten me there. <laughs> I was so cashed. I started throwing in November and it was September 4th and I'm like, Oh my gosh, I'm just, I am caked right now. So, um, you know, the Lord answered and, and I had 14 cups of coffee. Um, but you know, what I found and, and the questions that arised were in most rotational sports and I would say primarily all of them there, I feel like there's a sweet spot where, where all the arcs marry into a position where, you know, 
an example is when you barrel up a baseball in that sweet spot and it just jumps off the bat or you hit a pure golf shot and you're like, man, dude, that was, I don't think I could hit any better. Um, it does exactly what you want it to do. Least resistance, you follow through, everything feels great. And I was thinking, why don't I feel that with pitching? Why don't I feel that with just throwing a baseball? Why don't I feel, I don't, I don't get one when I play catch and like I played catch more than I've swung a bat in my entire life. I mean, you warm up before the game, you throw during the game, you throw bullpens. Like I, I toss way more than, than I used to hit and I used to be a hitter. Um, but I could consistently hit, you know, some barreled up shots on the sweet spot every time. And I'm like, I'm not getting one out here. What, what's going on? Let me see if I can find something that works. And, and after, you know, three to four years of testing a lot of data and, and going against, um, you know, really diving into what's being taught as the social norm and saying, is that accurate? Is there something better? Um, and I found something better and I went, you know, there is a sweet spot for pitching. There is a point where all the arcs marry and the path of least resistance um, is apparent and it's there, it's trainable, it's teachable, and it's actually something that can be picked up fairly quickly. Um, it's just the, the, um, the transition is very tough because most kids feel some type of strain as a result. And I equate this to two things. One is uh, weightlifting. So weightlifting, most kids feel a strain to get up heavy weight. So they feel like I'm getting stronger. They're, that way I'm equating strain to strength. And so they go out to the field and they go, okay, I put up heavy weight and that means I'm strong. So therefore I have to strain with my arm to feel strong and create velocity. Uh, which is not necessarily the case. Now, some guys may feel like they have a lot of strain and throw velocity, but this method, you don't have to have that strain to still reach a high velocity, if that oh, makes sense. Yeah, no, that's super interesting. It's, it's, uh, you brought up a bunch of key things, you know, stuff of things that, you know, obviously I haven't been in a lesson game I've been playing, so, you know, you have come through, but you said something that resonated with me pretty quickly, which was, you know, uh, the feeling, the sweet spot, and um, the, the no pain. And that's something I tell kids all the time, which is when you do it correctly and under the right conditions, when you're warmed up, should not hurt. It should not hurt, right? And the other thing is that, that, that is something that I've been saying for a while, but is a little bit different than what you're saying, which is you, you should feel weightless. Hmm. Like you should hear it. Feel the ball leave my hand. Right. But I shouldn't, other than that, it, it should not, you should not feel anything. I feel light. Like when I was, I hit, I hit 96 twice in a game last summer. Didn't have video on it. Cause I was in the minor leagues. Right. And had two different guns say it. Don't know how I did it. It was one of those things. Like, I wish I had this and I could see exactly what I was doing. Sure. Haven't, you know, got up to 94 this winter close, but since then it's been like an up and down battle. Of, okay, and I, and I know I'm a stronger within a year. I'm definitely stronger overall. Like I said, you know, at least the shoulder, the rehab, all my stuff, I'm always on point on that stuff. And the gym, my, my body, everything feels good. I don't feel fatigued. But it was just one of those things where it's like, how in the world do I hit 96 once, twice, and then I can't get this? You know, and I think that there's a there's got to be something, translation that I was in. So that was one of the things I was interested in because you said you'd see my mechanics from there. So yeah. Is there anything that, that, that any tips that you can give me, anything that you'd like to share with, with me for information? Yeah, man. I mean, I would put you, 
you know, I saw, actually, it's funny. I saw a lot of your videos actually before I found you on Instagram, just on YouTube. I was a YouTube surfer. I mean, I would stare at YouTubes for hours on day on pitching mechanics, thinking to myself, something's here. I know something's here. I'm just going to try to figure it out. Look at the best in the world. Look at all these kids. See what's consistent. You know, I'm sure you've been on YouTube and looked up who's throwing 94, who's throwing 96, who's throwing 100. What are they doing? How can I do what they do? Exactly. Um, you know, you type in 90 miles per hour. How do I get there? <laughs> yeah. And um, so as far as, you know, and don't take this personally, so some of your mechanics marry over to what everybody else is doing. Um, and what I see in the big leagues and with most kids is that 99% of players are not as efficient with their mechanics um, just by probably word of mouth or, or teachings. There's only one guy I see that, well, two guys that I see that kind of move in a, in a way that's close to the method, but, um, you know, and that would be a role as Chapman and there's a guy for the Braves. I'm sorry. I don't know his name guys. Um, but they both throw at a high velocity and as far as for you, man, um, you know, the one thing I see for you is you have an extended arm separation. It seems to extend pretty far um, through separation, close to maybe an equal opposite type of direction. Um, and that's one of the things that I think is is taking a little resistance away from you or taking, yeah, it's, it's building some resistance for you. It's, um, it's creating more of a timing mechanism and a feel uh, parameter that you're having to have more risk of less feel. So I don't know if control is an issue for you. I'm sure you, you train enough and throw enough to where you've built up your sensations. Um, but the, the farther the arm gets away from the body, obviously it has to move in the other direction uh, to the plate. So if you look at opposite directions, if your arm moves this way and the plate's this way, obviously the farther it moves this way while your body's moving here, it has to have, you know, more time to catch up. So the more time it's in space away from your center of mass here, um, you just have a higher percentage of less control, I believe for you. So that's probably one of the things I would, I would try to, you know, say, Hey, let's try something. So um, are you saying you're, are you saying a shorter, more 90 degree arm, or you're saying that my extension of my arm is too much. So when I, when I or work is with it my player, path, is it my path, I'm sorry, that's why I'm not, I didn't mean the 90 degree. Right. Is it my path or is it necessarily that it's too, you're saying that it's too far away from my center of my body? Yeah. So when I see you moving down the mound, um, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, I've only, I've only just looked at your stuff, I think the other day or two, I didn't brush up on it. So excuse me on that before we got going. No, you're fine. Um, so I, I believe I saw something you know, kind of works away like this and then comes through. So there's a full extension of the arm. I think there might be a little bit of a swing um, where the hand goes down a little bit. But, um, you know, I always like to think if, if something is closer to the rotation, it's easier to control. Um, the further something is away from something, the harder it is to control. Okay. So that would be something that I think could speed up your timing. It would speed up your your feel, it would create more of a consistent release and consistent um, even pitch depth break for you. So I don't know if off speed might be an issue for you sometimes. Um, maybe you spin a few or it takes a few to get on top of it. It's not right into your best pitch all the time. Um, I'm just guessing here. 
but you know, for most of my players that I work with, the first thing I say to them, especially guys like yourself who have built a, a foundation and something that's gotten them to a very high level. Like I've, I'm working with a kid and he's a UNC commit at um, North Carolina, the Tar Heels. And he was 88 to 91, but 92 before I started working with him. And I said, look, I'm not trying to reinvent you. Let's take what you have now and stash it that you can always fall back on. That's your go-to stuff. If you don't like what I'm doing, you can always fall back on this. But if you like what I'm doing, you can build another, what I call a set of ammo. So you have your weapons you've already created. Now you've got more weapons that I'm going to show you and you can choose whatever you like to incorporate, but you always have your foundation. You always have your go-to stock ammo that you can put in your gun and you know, this is Mr. Reliable. I can take into battle and she's going to work for me consistently. Um, so that's kind of how I would approach you and say, let's just try stuff. Um, let's start with this. Let's start with that. Let's try these new things. And then just kind of, I go mostly off of feel for my players. And if something feels right, then we explore more of why. And then if it doesn't, then we try to try to find a good way. But I'm usually pretty good about diagnosing off of a pitch and saying, this is probably why you're feeling this, that, so on and so forth. I don't mean to toot my own horn, but <laughs> I understand. pretty like, good. It's, it's like I'm, I'm wide open for learning for anything, especially someone that's going to help me get more consistent and everything because I know I can't see myself throw the ball, and especially when I'm trying to let it eat. I know that I may be there's, there's something I heard recently on, which is um, feel versus reality. Mm -hmm. And so, like, I might be feeling, but I'm doing something. But in reality, I'm doing something else. So Absolutely. It, makes sense, it makes sense what you're saying. It's almost like a uh, physics trebuchet kind of situation where the front side is a little bit quicker to be able to pull the the back side, the throwing side through. Is that something that you're that you're kind of mean? Yeah, a little bit. So, one thing that I don't like, and that's being taught today is shoulder to hip separation you know you see the guys with the hips rotated all the way forward and their shoulder and arm are back I think that is one of the plaguing things and one of the things most guys are striving for for velocity um, saying hey my hips just need to fire super quick and everything will take care of itself you know I'll just whip the ball through um, and it's, it's actually I believe far from what's actually happening. You may throw harder, but I guarantee you there's going to be some resistance and some arm sensations that could possibly, you know, do some damage to you. So um, I don't note, I don't denote that shoulder to hip separation does need to occur, but not to the extreme that we're, we're trying to get where the chest is facing, um, you know, the third baseman and our hips are facing home plate. I feel like that's a little bit of an extreme. Yeah. Um, so, so little things like that, um, you know, velocity training today. I, I want to make something clear, guys, is that I don't have anything against velocity training or weight training or any of that other stuff. My big thing is until you understand how to properly use your body, you're strengthening and putting stress on areas that could possibly hurt you without proper instruction. So it's kind of like putting – you know, NOS into a car that only goes to second gear. And then you're trying to just rev that engine up and that thing can't get out of second gear and you're just hitting, you know, just, just beating at it. And you might get a few spurts, you know, up there, but you're just, you know, you're kind of just fighting yourself. If you learn how to shift properly, then you can, once you get to fifth or sixth gear, hit that NOS juice and, and really start cruising. So.
Yeah, it makes sense. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I, um, I'm, I'm, uh, I would say I, I'm not necessarily, I don't preach velocity training, but I do know for the things that I've been around in the game is, is that, you know, I get the question all the time, which is I'm this age and I throw this velocity. <laughs> what do you think my chances are this and that? And, and, right. I'm, and I'm always like, look, don't worry about how old you are to your velocity. Like just focus on yourself and get yourself to the point where you are beating yourself. You're competing against yourself and your velocity and your own strength. Like you can't, yeah. I can't compare myself to you on how strong you are. I mean, I've yeah. seen you uh, on your Instagram doing four point medicine ball push-ups, and I'm going like, well, let's see, that's going to be a new drill for me because I've never tried that. You know, <laughs> like I saw you do, or are you even jumping on a medicine ball on top of a BOSU ball? And I'm yeah. like, also, 6'3", don't have the same center of balance. I don't know. Yeah, yeah please don't there. try I that. I don't know what his stats are. I was like, I, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't know if I'll uh, if I'll try that soon, but yeah. I was like, one day I might give it a shot. You yeah, know? please don't try that right while you're now, still playing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be the guy exactly. responsible. Yeah, <laughs> but, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense for what you're saying from there. So, you know, I, I appreciate your input, you know, and it makes sense. It made me think to, you know, when I did hit this and then I was thinking about when I was 93, 95, well, I got to play down in the, um, the, the, the minor, they, it's not really a minor league, but they call it like the minor league Caribbean series. They call it the Latin American professional baseball series, which instead of your normal teams of, uh, in the, in the Caribbean series, which are Cuba, Dominican Republic, Venezuela, Puerto Rico, and Mexico. And this tournament, it's Nicaragua, Colombia, another version of Mexico. And who am I missing? Yeah, there's only four teams, right? Nicaragua, Colombia, Mexico. Who am I missing? I'm missing one. Panama. Panama, that's the other one. So I've got video of me throwing there. And what you're saying made a lot of sense because there was something that I was feeling that, you know, it was kind of like a timing being smooth going out. I was using, I was using really efficient on my lower half, but I really remember something that was just kind of weird, which didn't make sense to me for what I had heard, you know. But for what you were saying is when I was rotating, my glove was staying really close to my body, almost on my throwing peck when mm -hmm. I was throwing and getting through, which was helping me have more balance. And so, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I'm in the process of moving to another team. So I'll be um, trying that when I get there to see what I can do to get my velocity, you know, back to there. I mean, right now I'm 89, 92, touch 93. But I know for me to get to winter ball, where I want, you know, where I really I can get some looks, you know, even though, even though I'm 31, you know, I know if I can hit 95 plus, I've got a shot. Like someone might take a chance, Absolutely. you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. No. And, yeah. and I applaud your work, man. I, that was one of the things that, you know, I actually reached out to a guy um, and, you know, my offer goes out to you as well is the guys that really work hard and put it in and are putting in the time. I, I see like myself, you know, the grinding out, always searching, trying to get better you know, doing their own things and also incorporating other things, always experimenting, trying things out, figuring out what works for them. I made an offer to this guy. I said, Hey man, you come, you just come down here. Like, I'm not going to charge you anything. I just like your work ethic. You're 23 years old. I tried to, you know, I didn't just go straight to the, the affiliated ranks. I went to the indie pro draft. Like, so here's kind of how, how kind of I got, you know, thrown the dice is in, uh, February of 2012, I go to a, um, a pro showcase down in, in Fort Myers, signed with this team called the London Rippers. I don't know if you remember them in the Frontier League. They dissolved after one year. And 
had a pro contract two weeks before spring training happens. Uh, they say, Hey, we're going to let you go. Um, I go, what do you mean? You're just going to let me go. I said, yeah, we're, we're just going to let you go. Thanks. Hang up. So I'm calling them back for like three days straight. Took me about, took me three days and three hours of straight calling them for somebody to finally pick up. And I said, what do you mean? You guys are just letting me go. And they said, well, that's just kind of the nature of the beast with this stuff. So, so I kind of got thrown in the fire early and, you know, I said my piece with that and how, you know, you can't treat players like that. And that's kind of the PC way I put it. Um, <laughs> and so I'm like, well, there goes all the tryouts. What all, what, what about all these other tryouts I could have been doing? So um, the only tryout left was the Indy pro draft for the frontier league. So I don't know if you know anything about the Indy pro draft. It's just like a yeah, big cattle. I went to the one in Florence. Okay. Yeah. I went to the one in um, Washington PA and you, okay. so, you know, it's a cattle call, man. I mean, 341 yeah, three plus. Yeah. 300. Yeah. There were, there were 380 pitchers there. Yeah, I mean, we had 341 guys there, and I've heard it's just climbed each and every year. And it's kind of a sight to see 341 baseball players on a field all with a white shirt on. It's kind of funny. Um, so, you know, eight hours of that the first day just to throw 12 pitches. Hold, and then, hold on. Action lost you for a second. Okay. You got me back? Yeah, yeah, I got you back now. Last thing I got was, yeah, so when you – I kind of cut out, but I'll sum everybody up. When you go to these in, the indie show, indie pro showcase, they put everybody in the same shirt. Everybody's wearing a white yeah. shirt with a number yeah. on the back. Yeah. Then they came through. So go ahead. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And um, so I pretty much I waited about six hours to throw twelve to fourteen pitches, and then they said, "Cool, next." And I'm like, "All right." So you just wait around for the cut, and then um, so I was there for about eight or nine hours. And it's 96 degrees on turf, so it's about 105. You're smelling everybody's shoes burning and the rubber burning. You're seeing the waves on the on top of the um, the turf. So then they call out numbers of people who are coming back the next day, and they trimmed it down to about 150 pit pitchers. And everybody throws an inning. So divide 152 by nine, and then divide it by two, and that's how many games we played. Um, so we were there for a good nine hours. Luckily, I went in the um, the first hour, struck three dudes out, and um, did my piece. Got drafted in the first round of River City, and kind of started my journey there. So I uh, got lucky. I made it happen. I was working super hard at it, and then you know, kind of just took off with that. And then, um, so that's kind of you know what to expect with some of that indie ball stuff as far as the grind and you know, kind of things that happen. So, you know, like I was saying before, I saw your stuff. I offered this kid, I said, Hey man, if you just come down here at food, gas and, and find a place to stay, I will teach you this stuff as long as you want to stay. And so you can go try to do your pro career. Cause he was just out of college. And, um, I was like, dude, come see me. I see your hard work. You just need this one key piece. And I feel like you can go off and, and, and just excel more than I ever could. Um, hopefully in your career. And that's kind of my thing is to just save arms, give guys opportunities better than I had and put them in a position to succeed. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm with you there too. It's, it's for, you know, that's why I started doing all this stuff is, is that's why I started selling the J bands and the flush bands and just live streaming on Instagram, because I wish I had this platform of information where I could just ask a question, 100%. you know, and, and, and someone could be like, no, 
don't do that. I mean, I get stuff all the time from guys like, hey, my coach is telling me one of my favorite, and I'm sure you hear this too, one of my favorite questions also that I've gotten even from lessons, whatever, and it's such an identifier, you know, you know, I don't like to throw shade or hate and everything, but coach that they go to and, and when a coach tells you what the problem is, but doesn't give you the solution, it's kind of one of the funny things to me. And mm-hmm. One of my favorite ones is you're flying open. And it's, <laughs> okay. So, and then what, what? do you go, like, what do you do now? And then what? <laughs> yeah. How do, how do I fix that? Just stay yeah. close. All right. Well, you're, you're not really, you're not exactly giving me all the information yeah. that I need yeah. here. To, yeah. you're, you're just you're identifying the problem and then telling me the opposite to do, right. but I don't know what that means. So, you know, it's, it's kind of funny to me that, you know, I'm glad that we had met, you know, I'm excited because I feel like that you and I could get a lot of podcasts and debate and conversations and stuff oh, like for that. Sure. Over, for sure. You know, and, 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 you know, I'll help you. I've got some other stuff after when we get off air that I want to help you, you know, help yourself with your social media and stuff like that. Some easy techniques, like you, you're going to help me, I'm going to help you. And that's, you know, that's oh, why yeah. I got you in that, in that group that we've yeah, got, man. you know, that, that we started going that, that all of these great people, people that all pretty much have, you know, run into some issues. There's, there's something that's happened in their career that they've been set back from and, mm-hmm. but they still love the game. They still love giving back. And that's, you know, kind of what I started all this whole thing. So, Okay, cool. So let me get into some other questions. Something we had talked about too. Your thoughts on let's let's go through some 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 throwing um, program things. Okay, sure, sure. are you are you a believer in some somewhat might call extreme long toss? It depends. Um, I think if you're working all the right things with your body mechanically, then yeah, test the waters. I'm all about trying to see what's your full potential, but most guys don't have a foundation to build off of or to try to see how high their skyscraper can be. So if your foundation is weak, you're kind of putting stresses throughout the, the, uh, the foundation and then trying to build it back up and getting those stresses as opposed to a solid foundation and then saying, I have this platform, let's see how high I can go and, and see my, my true potential. Um, because I'm sure, you know, and, and, and myself, you know, I look at kids that I coach. So I coach 15 year olds currently. Uh, we actually won our first game today. So that was a a nice little celebration. I (laughs) appreciate it. Appreciate it. Um, and, um, I look back and I, I look at myself now and I looked at myself when I was 15 and, and for all those people out there, I don't know how many people are, are streaming in, but you young kids out there, you have no idea of your potential and of the things you are going to achieve and you can achieve in your life, your imagination hasn't formulated to even comprehend. Like you're 31 and and I'm 28 and some of the things that you've done in your life, you probably never even dreamed about or thought about were possible. Um, It's kind of a cliche, but it's, it's not as dream orientated like Walt Disney, like, Oh, you can achieve so much stuff. It's, it's more reality of going, wow, I didn't know I could actually do that or that information was available or um, just understanding stuff. So that's kind of what I I preach to kids. Surprise yourself. Like, have you ever surprised yourself on something you've done? Like, you know, uh, you threw a particular pitch or, you know, you did hit, you know, a higher velocity Mm -hmm. when you, when you were trying to do a different mindset or something like that. So, you know, I, I like those moments too, where you really try to su- surprise yourself on what exactly that you're trying to achieve. Absolutely, yeah. 
And so it's going back to the extreme long toss. Um, as long as there's a purpose behind it. Like if you're just going out there just to throw, just to see how far you can throw, uh, I'm okay with that. Everybody's a male. You know, when you go play golf, you pick up the driver and say, check this out, boys, and try to keep up. <laughs> you know, so, um, you know, the same thing goes for, for baseball. Everybody wants to say, oh, I can throw it over the light pole, or I can do this, or I can do that. I get it. But at some point, you know, you got to start having to focus and then, you know, get that stuff out of the way and then try to build a platform of how is this going to translate to my mound performance? Because one thing that I don't like is that, as pitchers, we throw on flat ground most of the time, but our performance is on a slope. Um, so I've actually got something in mind with, you know, if I ever got in a position with MLB teams to say, let's get a downgrade slope of grass that guys can throw off of that's similar to a mound. Um, let's just have a downslope somewhere as opposed to flat ground. Let's get in our element more because that's where we do our work. So that's another little thing to that. talk about. So. I love that. I run into that issue all the time because I'm, I'm a guy that likes to throw a lot, like especially to feel my pitches. But for me particularly, especially for some reason with, I think it's because I'm cutter guy, my, when I do throw my seam or my sinker, that when I throw it on flat ground, I don't get the same action. But when no. I throw it on the mound, it, it, it does a little bit more what I'm doing. So Absolutely. When, in my everyday preparation, when I was a starter, I normally, you know, for me, it's a stretch run, uh, uh, I like to warm up with uh, my, my tap weighted balls and then I get into my throwing and then I stretch it out and then when I come back in instead of throwing my flat ground there I get the catcher into what we would call a short box you know which is not even on top of the plate another two feet in front as you as you would know and I feel so much better and more confident with executing my pitches seeing the spin getting the feedback from my catcher about how my cutter's spinning how my curveball's spinning how everything's moving and what it's supposed to be doing so I mean, that's an awesome piece of advice right there. I really, really like that. I think that's a very underrated thing because, I mean, everybody's very quick to want to throw the flat ground, but I totally agree with you. Like my one of the other things that I, you probably – you probably could see if you went back and look at it, but I've always been a – for some reason, since I was a young kid, I've had a longer stride than everybody out there. Like my stride is right. I'm 6'3", and my stride maybe for someone's like 6'7". Like – I just get out there. I don't know why it's been that. And every time I've tried to, someone's got to me, hey, you know, if you shorten your stride, you'll throw farther because you get your foot down yeah. earlier, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I understand the concept that never could get it to translate. But one of the things right. I did notice and feel was like when, you know, and they were like, oh, you miss up this and that. And I, I don't normally miss, miss up with that. It was, it was more of a, um, like for me, it was a release point thing. If I missed up, if I just held sure. on to the ball longer, the ball would go down. So I really, I really appreciate that. But that's some, that's some outstanding stuff right there. So, okay. So next, next question real quick. Sure. So we did extreme loss. So in the programs that you were, you were with the Padres and the other things, what do you feel about some of these MLB teams that say you can't go past one? I think it's like 150 or 180. Or something yeah. Like that. What do you think? I, I understand the thing on the line, but what's your thought process on that? So with current mechanics today, um, I think that's the big plaguing issue is, is guys are, are being asked to, to throw at a higher velocity consistently. Uh, so it's more stress. And then the premium of, of weight training that people are incorporating in and just understanding as, okay, that makes me a better athlete when it really just makes you a stronger athlete. doesn't necessarily translate if you don't know how to use it. So when guys are putting heavy loaded stress in the gym, 
and then having to put that heavy loaded stress in the in the performance side in the game you know they're they're probably saying to themselves well when these guys are in practice let's not let them max long toss let's not let them throw throw the heck out of it um, super long or, or air it out and put more stress on the body. So I think it's more of a, a precautionary thing. Um, I was taught that, you know, don't go past 150 when I was with the Padres. You know, there's no real reason. Um, your ball's never going to be on that arc out there. And I, you know, looking back on it, I'm like, well, I'm never going to be on a flat ground pitching. So what am I doing here? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, um, exactly. So, I mean, I think until the mechanics of, of the wave method really start to infiltrate the, the systems and people start going, wow, I can throw every day without having to use my arm for effort, my shoulder for effort. Uh, what I love about the wave method is it allows players to, to throw more consistently without having to go through the recovery and the pain and the soreness so that they can work on their mechanics and work on their performance more frequently. Like after a start for you, I'm sure the last thing you want to do is get off the bump and work on something. Now you may be different. You may recover very well and you have a great regiment, but most guys after a start are like, um, just leave me alone. I'm not going to pick up a ball. Uh, I'm going to go run, get this blood flow pushed out, get thumbed out, um, get a nice ice massage, chill behind home plate and chart up. So, uh. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a I'm a blood flow guy. I mean, it's I, I'm I honestly I I've, I don't want to say it like so you have that, that I have mine. One of the things that I feel like really has helped my recovery is I've used kind of I've taken the concept of running and done it for my arm. So like right when I get mm -hmm. done throwing within 30 minutes, I do full sets of J bands. But I, instead of doing hit and goes as I called, I do I do a call to hold. So I'll do 15 second holds here. I'll do here. I'll do all the way up, all through my clock and everything. Right. And when I'm doing that, I feel the, the the gym pump in that area. And then I'll finish with my normal rehab stuff. Right. And then after that, I actually get a massage. So breaking up that fascia and everything is going there. And then the next day, I can actually stretch it out if I want. You know, it's right. unbelievable to me. Once I understood, once I started thinking about like, okay, so I run to make my arm feel better. But the circulation is to the whole body. Why don't I just work out the muscles and the areas and the things that I was that I had just used to try to cool down? You know, one of the concepts I got from was um, I was watching. Um, I think it's what what's the hockey version of of hard knocks, whatever that is. You know, I think it's like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And they were about. showing the Rangers, and the Rangers have a program where after the game, as soon as the game's over, before they're allowed to do press, before they're allowed to eat. They got to get on and do a 20 minute bike thought process of that. They've been on their legs or anything. They want to get on a 20 minute bike. It's a flush. And then that way they're ready to go the next day. And I was like, Oh my God, that makes sense. Like, Oh, like right. none of their guys, they had one of the most injury free seasons besides like real, you know, like guys, you know, hitting the boards and the ice things, sure. but they were one of the least amount of, of injury. So I was like, okay, so that's when I started doing that with, and I don't know if you want to try that with your guys, definitely give it a shot, but, or even yourself. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's something that I really enjoyed, you know, pass, I'll pass that along to you that really made a difference. And especially when I was relieving, like this winter, I started off as a closer. Then I was the eighth inning guy. Then I had five starts Then I came back and I was a closer. Then I was the eighth, seventh and then the first. <laughs> and so, you know, yeah, exactly. So I had really perfected my routine before this past winter season, had a lot of success and they were like, you can do that. And I'm like, well, 
I mean, I, I don't want to do my horn, but yeah, I can, you know, like I can, you know, I, I led the league. I was second in the league in appearances in the regular season and in the playoffs. And so, you know, that's just where it got to that point where it's like, everybody's down and fatigued and ready to go. And I'm like, Hey, let's go guys. Like we yeah. long toss for today. Like yeah. what are we doing? You know, <laughs> like let's get, let's get out there and let it eat. And they're like, bro, you threw like 40 pitches yesterday. Are you okay? I'm like, yeah, man, I did all my stuff. You know, I'm good. I'm ready to go. So I appreciate the input on that. Um, on, on the, uh, um, on the, the, that makes sense. You know, what are the, the extra stress? Cause I had wondered about that too, because I even had a guy, uh, a friend of mine who went to one of those academies, uh, in South Florida for pitching and, and good for him. I mean, he took, he was one of those kids that like you're, you know, you're saying did all the work, went to the academy, spent like a year and a half, had some bad luck here and there, and then comes out of the academy, 97, 98, man. And I'm like, wow, you know, I'm watching this video. I'm happy for him and ends up getting drafted by the Red Sox. And the kid calls me like two weeks into camp. And he's like, yo, I'm an extreme long toss guy. They won't let me long toss. They won't let me do this. They won't let me throw my weighted balls. Like I can only do this. I went from, he went from like 98 to when he showed up, he was like 94. And then by the time he left, he was like 88. And I'm like, well, what, what happened? What are you doing differently? He's like, I'm just not getting the same work in. And obviously, as you know, you know, when you come out of college and everything, every super restrictive and he said oh, he was yeah. like they, they were worried about my innings i was throwing once every 10 days and i don't feel like i was getting my my work in blah 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 and you know then they had then they made him go to the doctor and get an mri because they're worried about his shoulder his elbow hurting he's like i'm not hurting and he's telling his coach and so finally it hits me and i'm like oh my god it makes so much sense why this guy's not allowed to because if he gets hurt under so-and-so's watch that guy's fired so that guy's yeah. gonna follow the protocol right away yeah. and be like no you can't do that you have to do yeah. this yeah. If you do it on your own, whatever, that's on your own. Yeah. You know, I'm not losing my job kind of thing. So did you ever see anything like that out there? Oh, man. So here's kind of a tip to all you guys out there don't know kind of about the pro game, especially affiliated side. So once you get to affiliated ball, those coaches are really not going to do a lot with you. You have to ask them. They're not going to really tell you unless you are one of the blue chip prospect guys. Um, and even then, they're really kind of hands-off because, you know, so I was a sidearm guy. I was a sidearm specialist guy. I dropped down Frisbee two-seam. I had a drop change-up, um, which was, I felt, unique to sidearmers. I read on something. I was a freshman in college, said, you know, a change-up from a sidearmer really gets them to the next level. And I'm like, cool, doing that. Got a slider and two-seam. Let's, <laughs> let's do that. Uh, so I worked on that. So I had a drop change. It was um, one of my out pitches as well. And the thing about sidearm or something unique that gets the job done or somebody that throws hard currently, the last thing a pitching coach is going to do, whether or not they're right or wrong, is say, hey, do this. Because if you're getting outs, if you throw hard, if you're successful, like look at a guy like Alex Wood. Would you ever teach Alex Wood's mechanics? No, not even close. Yeah, I mean, you know, would you teach Hunter Pence's mechanics? Hitting, you know. So, but the stuff works for him. So, yeah. You know, if the guy's getting outs, if he's throwing good, if he's hitting bombs, uh, the last thing you're going to do is, hey, look like Griffey. Or, hey, why don't you clean it up, Wood? Like, you look, you know, use whatever you want to say to whatever Alex Wood looks like to you. But um, so just be aware of that, guys. Kind of be your own guy as far as what works for you, what doesn't work for you. And I wrote in a post, I said, if it hurts, find another way. Um, that's usually your body telling you, Hey, you need to stop doing that. You know, it's kind of like, 
if it keeps hurting, even though you get a consistent result and you're okay with that, like then you sacrifice whatever you want. Like all athletes, I believe, accept some type of pain for success. Um, so just be aware of that as well. It's just how you manage that pain, what you can deal with, what you're willing to sacrifice and, and, and what you're willing to change as well to, to get a result. So that's kind of, uh, some advice with that. No, that's, that's quality stuff right there. I appreciate it. All right. Well, two more things. All right. Sure, first sure. one, first one, do you have a question for our audience? Let's start. It's kind of a new thing I started doing. I yeah, to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. You want to throw something out, guys? We want you to comment your sure. your answers in into the comments of this video. It'll probably be on all the platforms: Facebook, Twitter. Um, I'll probably have a little segment on Instagram and obviously on YouTube. But you want to put the, the your answers to the comments in YouTube. So if you tag me or you tag Dan, he and I are going to go in there. We should be able to answer the questions and go in there. So Dan, what do you have a question for the youngsters? Yeah, yeah. First off, nothing against Hunter Pence and Alex Wood, so don't feel like I'm bashing those guys. Just to, <laughs> just to reiterate. Um, yeah, so, you know, what do you guys feel is really holding you back, or what do you feel is going to take yourself to the next level? It's actually like three questions. You asked me for one. And um, <laughs> what kind of player do you want to be? I think let, answer that third question first, and then and then answer the other two if you remember them. If you only remember the third question, that's cool, too. <laughs> All right. So, what, what were the three again? What were the three? Man, you're gonna you're gonna have to bring that up on me. Um. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was what kind of player you want to be. Yeah. And then what was? What um, was so, what do you think's holding you back? Okay. And um, what do you think's gonna help you? We'll go with that. We'll go with that. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Three questions right there, guys. In the comments, right there. Throw that in there. If you want to send a DM to me, or I'm sure Dan will take a DM too. On, uh, for sure, for on sure. Instagram. He, he sounds like a great guy. I mean, I'm just meeting him, but, you know, it sounds like he's just like me. If you, you open book, if someone's got a question, go from there. All right, and last question. Do you have a question for me? Do you have anything that, that has sparked your, your, you know, imagination or anything? Yeah, man. When are you going to come see me so I can teach you this stuff? <laughs> well, let's see. <laughs> Considering that, like, like last year I spent two full months, like between, I spent 10 months in Mexico playing. Like it was awesome being two seasons, winter ball and everything, you know? So, you know, I've moved to San Diego, unfortunately, go farther away from you. So, I mean, I'll have to see what happens, you know, but I think we'll definitely see what we can work something out for sure. Yeah. Cool. You got anything for me? Any more questions, anything personally or anything? Let's see. Yeah. You know what? Let's see. Okay. So you were sidearm guard. Didn't, didn't know you were a sidearm guy. Yeah. What was the top velocity you hit at throwing sidearm? So my top velocity was 91, my first double-A appearance at Fresno. And I went one, two, three, and ended up striking out Jerickson Pro Far, the number one uh, prospect of 2012 on four straight heaters. My pitching coach didn't let me live that down. It was like, don't think I didn't write that up that you struck out Pro Far on four straight heaters, boy. And I was like, all right, cool. Sweet. Didn't even know. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Awesome. That's, that's awesome. I actually, um, you don't know this, but at my freshman year of college, I got duped into throwing sidearm or I was more like a submarine guy. We had a guy get the yips and they were trying to teach him how to throw and they were like rolling balls to him. And he was one of those six, five lanky dudes that like mm -hmm. his yips were like, if you guys don't know what the yips are, the yips are a mental problem where you get a block where you lose the ability to throw the ball to someone. So some people think it's yeah. really easy to play catch, right? Well, this oh guy was gosh. 96, 6'6", and not a clue. 
Like he started off good, Ugh. and then our coach started talking. He was a real. He was here's what you were just talking about too about like don't mess with guys. You come in at ninety six, but he's a huge head tilt guy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Downhill head tilt. Now I could see his issue because he really only had fastball, what he called a slider, which was like a it was really a twelve six hook from that angle, you know, getting on the side right there. But he got outs, right? And so he goes from there to trying to get his arm slot over here so he's more balanced to he has no idea. Yeah. And I remember playing catch with him and being like 10 feet away and the first one being 90 right at my chest and being like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, where is your, like, what happened to this thing, bro? Yeah. Like, I'll, I'll get on a knee if we need and we can do this yeah. whole little league thing all over again if you need yeah, it. Man. And so they tried to drop him down and I remember just being like, bro, just act like you're playing shortstop. And I did it once and I wish I'd never done it because right after yeah. that, I went from there to never pitching in a meaningful game like nothing against being sidearm or anything but it was like they turned me into that guy that was like all right we're up 10 let's put him in and i'm like if you look at my numbers like i got like a one two three era or something really minute with like i struck out more guys than innings and like i had like 32 strikeouts 26 innings and they were like so what'd you think like you had a great year and i'm like yeah we were either up 10 or down 10 both teams were just <laughs> there, like yeah. it's brutal you know so mm-hmm. cool all right. Well, I think I think that's a pretty good stopping point for now, and until cool. the next time. So, yeah. can you go ahead Great. and tell everybody where can they find you on social media, and and where sure. exactly you're at over in the uh, East Cobb, which is basically Atlanta sure. for not so many people know. Yeah, man. So over in the we'll just say Kennesaw area towards that way uh, is where I do most of my work, um, and you can you can find me at the Wave Method underscore baseball. And Wave Method Facebook, you can um, you can email me at thewavemethod.net at gmail.com. Um, and just feel free to contact me, guys. If you got questions, you want to come learn it, um, you know, whatever you want, man. Check out the video. Check out the posts. Check out, um, you know, check out both of our stuff. So I think, you know, there's a lot of cool stuff on both ends and a lot of good stuff that's going to help you. So Awesome. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it again, Dan. Thank you. You know, like yeah, I said, we're uh, I've got uh, I got a big genius plan. One thing that I really want to do is I want to get, especially some of these other throwers that are in the group. Sure. In this awesome format on Google, you can get up to eight people at one time on on this oh, wow. chat. So I really want to get an awesome roundtable podcast going yeah. soon, where we can get even if it's like a I was thinking even like a seven on one, where if we get seven guys and we bring in somebody new and everybody's asking questions and getting involved. I think sure. that would be just an awesome format, something yeah. new that you don't really even see on podcasts and stuff. So that's Absolutely. one of the things that I'm, I'm really trying to work towards stuff and put stuff out there. So, but uh, thanks again. And guys, don't forget. So like I said, um, run over to my uh, online store. You can find it'll be linked in, in the description, or you can also run to my Instagram where a lot of you guys found me, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, online store. Uh, it used to be called Emerald Coast Baseball Academy when I was over in the South with Dan, but now that I moved over to San Diego, it's kind of really have a team. So I'm going by Cutter Nation now. Um, so check out my uh, shirts if you want to support me. I've got a new drop coming out with some new. Sh- I, I almost told everybody what it was. Mm-hmm. New stuff, some new stuff coming out Monday. <laughs> so follow follow me on Monday there, and then don't forget to get your J bands, your flush bands. My tap weighted balls. I'm adding some more stuff on my online store on Monday. I will tell you that the shoulder tube. If you're not a shoulder tube fan, I don't know if you know what that is, Dan. But sure, no, it's yeah, an awesome no. training method um, for for rehab stuff there. So yeah, I'm yeah. to check that out, Dan. Once again, I appreciate it, Dan. Don't go anywhere either. I'm just going to stop the broadcast. So. Sure, bud.
I appreciate it, guys. Thanks again. Don't forget, throw hard. Dan, you got any, one more thing for anybody? I would say just, you know, follow your passions and, um, you know, keep working at it. And if you have any arm pain, arm problems, seriously, please come see me. That's my number one goal is to save arms and, and to put you guys in good positions to be successful. Beautiful stuff. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. One more thing. Don't forget. I know he said save arms, but, you know, for me, throw hard. Don't forget to throw hard. <laughs> All, right? <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks. See you soon.